Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Flaky Biscuit is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. All right, welcome to Flaky Biscuit, where each episode we are cooking up delicious morsels of nostalgia, I hope. We like to make meals and recipes that have comforted and guided our guests to success. Each episode, I'm creating a recipe from scratch, as you all already know, sometimes successfully, sometimes not so successfully, but I hope that you guys make these recipes along with me at home. I'm Brian Ford, and today, a very, very special and funny guest, stand-up comedian, actor, and fellow podcast host here today who's told jokes on The Late Show with James Corden, Comedy Central, Amazon, acted in Billy Crystal's Here Today, was also in Hustlers, with Jennifer Lopez. Oh man, I'm one degree away from JLo. <laughs> His podcast is called The Downside with Gianmarco Soresi, where he interviews people about all the downsides to their life and complaining is encouraged and negativity is celebrated. Please welcome the amazing, the spectacular Gianmarco Soresi. Hello, you say it so sexily. It's, it's <laughs> great. No one says it like that. It's uh, wonderful. Wow, not even your girlfriend? Damn, I need to calm down. No, she goes, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> Yeah. Is that your nickname? Only my dad. And then I let her in to that club. <laughs> Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll stick with the Gianmarco. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, I love Italy. We, we actually just got engaged in Italy. We took a family trip to Italy. You got engaged? Like you proposed? I proposed to her on the Amalfi Coast. Yeah. And did she know it was coming? I think that she probably figured we were going to unite our bond at some point, but yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. wasn't ready for it at that moment, I don't think. Oh, no, yeah? No, no. Now, wasn't. was the family there? Did you do it in private? The whole family was there. Oh. Watching from the bluff down onto the beach of the villa. You had to have felt confident <laughs> then. 
I mean, you're not going to risk that. I did it like a disaster, to be honest. It was wild. But anyway, we were, I do love the Italian language. I've studied it. My brother also speaks lots of languages. My dad used to speak a lot of languages. And do you speak Italian? Because I don't I, speak Italian. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't speak Italian any more than like someone who pretends to speak Italian. I can say I speak Spanish. So okay, sure. I can say a few sentences. I can get around. I can order food. I can say people's names. That's more than me. Because <laughs> Italians come up to me, they hear my name, and they, they're like, buongiorno, blah, blah, blah. And I have to be like, oh, no, no, I don't speak to Italians. Oh, damn. Uh, so That's real. Yeah, I did Rosetta Stone twice. So you learn how to say egg? But the only <laughs> thing I remember is Rosetta. Rosetta. <laughs> so how do you pronounce uh, what I made for you today? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> ravioli. Ra ra ravioli. Do so you really add the R? Ravioli. Ravioli. So I, I, I don't know. I have a lot of Italian friends. I've worked with Italians. And I've never, like, every time I do that, people seem to think it's okay. Like, I'm not trying to do it in jest. I genuinely, sure. I just want to, like, be Italian sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Like, ravioli. I want to, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of got it. You yeah, got a yeah, natural. I, I faked the accent for a couple of voiceover I mean, jobs in my life. <laughs> you do a lot of VO? No, I, I auditioned for a lot of VO, though. And uh -huh. that's the only accent I can do, kind of. Uh -huh. Ravioli. Well, when they see your name and they see you pull up to an audition, I'm assuming that's what they want. Sure. And I say I'm more Jewish. Uh -huh. I'd rather do like kind of this oh, thing, no, you know, so you could a lot of stutter. Bit. I think if there's a real Italian there, I'm losing that job real fast. <laughs> I don't even know how Italian I am. My dad pretended he exaggerated oh so your dad was italian your mom is jewish. jewish got it and my dad raised me before i could understand fractions he told me i was 100 percent italian <laughs> and i would watch the godfather that's my whole like italian knowledge was the godfather uh -huh. and i loved it so much i went through a phase where i wrote on my spelling test i wrote Gianmarco sorresi corleone wow i added corleone <laughs> and my mom was livid and she said he's a murderer you can't do this and then one day I, I went to Italy after college and I wanted to meet like this extended family my dad was always talking about. And when I got to Italy, I said, okay, where are they? And my dad was like, ah, oh, I exaggerated a little. I'm not sure. <laughs> they're there somewhere. Yeah. Sorezi on Instagram. Some people reach Sorezi. out sometimes. They're like, ah, Sorezi. Sorezi. Hey, We're related. Name. There was a street. There was a pasta <laughs> called Sorezi pasta. <laughs> they have a picture of. That's the only proof. Uh -huh. That's my DNA test. Damn, that's amazing. I'll tell you what though, man, cling on to that. I am. I have no choice. <laughs> I'm not even taking a DNA test because if I'm not Italian and my name is Gianmarco Vincent Sorezi. Oh. Wow. So let's just see how Italian you truly are because <laughs> oh, my, <God. laughs> don't worry, I'm not coming at you, but I would like you to let our listeners know the specifics of what your nostalgic meal is. What did you have me cook for you today? So I had you cook a ravioli, a ravioli. <laughs> and again, I don't know if this is because it's Italian or just my parents are divorced and I was with a single dad for a lot of the time, but ravioli was the meal that he was making for lunch, for dinner, for breakfast, if it was a Saturday. It was easy. You boil the water, you throw it in, even I could do it. And then he'd put on tomato sauce and he would say, sometimes he used to say we had a secret Sarezi sauce. I learned later it was just ragu with some sugar added. But at the time I was like, oh, the ancient Sarezi sauce. When, you know, you need to pass this down generation to generation. Yeah. And it, ragu has it covered. So was there a specific brand of ravioli? Was this made fresh? Was uh, it, give no, me, give us the no, it was not made fresh. There was nothing made fresh at my dad's house. Dear God, I, I sent you the name. I forget Vitoni, it. right? Yes. The beef. Yes. Butoni beef ravioli. I texted my Got mom it. to be like, is this the one? But the moment I saw the picture, I was like, that's the one. That's all we had in our <laughs> fridge. And he'd pack it for me for, for school. He'd put it in this like awful container. 
and the the smell something about tomato sauce uh-huh. it's just it's stinky yeah if it's not fresh right out the thing it's yeah. an awful awful meal to eat and it like school. stains the container it too. stains the container it's so gross and you can't get into the nitty-gritty of the thing <laughs> and i would have the little the tool that you open it it was like a fork and a spoon and it was really revolting i think it's <laughs> one of the reasons i didn't have a lot of friends in middle school damn for because of the serezi secret sauce yeah yeah, yeah. that sucks yeah kids That's don't appreciate like, no legacy no they at don't. that age they don't they don't they don't know what's going on truly yeah I, I will say my sister and i who's who's actually right here we see bitoni quite a bit i'm not gonna, yeah so we are from new orleans you know and in new orleans there's not the the, the greatest italian food in new orleans there, there's some spots yeah you know there's some spots but you know we hispanic and stuff like that so we didn't really know like what is ravioli supposed to really taste like? So we had, when we had butoni, that was like, we had butoni tonight. Like, we're going to have some, you know what I'm oh, saying? Wow. Like, they have the tortellinis, the uh-huh. little, the, the five cheese family pack. Yeah. Those are absolutely fire. That was, a, that was a big night for your family. That was a big night, man. Put a little yeah. white sauce on there or sometimes just put olive oil, salt, and pepper on it. Ooh, you'd add stuff to and it. And Parmesan cheese, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's the Ford secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's advanced. We did none of that. I was eating it out of the pot. <laughs> hey, hey, when it's cold out of the pot, when it's cold out of the pot is the way. Yeah. So when's the first time you, like, or just like the most memorable time you had this? It obviously wasn't at school when you was getting ribbed on but what, sure. when was the moment you had this and, and you knew that you probably would want to eat this again like later in life i think it's just i would eat it with uh my dad we'd watch seinfeld that was a big tradition for us this is probably the the beginnings of what made me a comedian was watching seinfeld with my father and a very jewish show having a very italian meal yeah. felt like that's who i was yeah at the end of the day and uh i went through a phase w- with my dad where I would brag about how many pieces I could swallow at once without <laughs> chewing. I don't know what, I don't know why. How old are you? You know, this was a couple of years ago, 31. <laughs> uh, I, no, it, but I, I went through this phase where I was like, Dad, watch me, I'm going to swallow six. I swallowed six, and I remember that being a big accomplishment for me. Without chewing them. Without chewing them. Truly not enjoying any of the carb <laughs> or the meats, but I thought it was cool, and that's, I wasn't good at sports, but I could do that. How was your stomach after? Like, what happened to your body after you did I that? I think my body was used to it. My body needed ravioli. If I didn't get 30 pieces a day. Just, like, inhale, like, not even chewed. Your body just thrives on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, no mastication. All right. Well, I made, there's a couple things that need to happen right now because we learned some pretty interesting facts about Butoni as a company. So I will say that, that it's a pretty Italian company. I, I would mean, hope so. Your family's pretty Italian if you guys were eating butoni because sure. this started in Tuscany, man. Oh. This is some real Italian stuff. Uh-huh. This was like founded in Italy with the fresh sauces and the fresh, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, they just started packaging it up and yeah, yeah, just yeah. doing a little, you know, they opened up in Times Square in the 30s. What's really? More, what's more Italian than that? Yeah. What was it? It was, oh, it was a spaghetti store. <laughs> like, like the spaghetti store. I mean, it's the 1930s. That's when New York was Italian. Italian. Yeah, it was I, I, run by the mob. Records are, are are shallow there. Who knows what you were really getting in the Butoni spaghetti store? I mean, I, yeah. I, I can't really speak for that, but I would assume some form of. And that's probably what my great grandpa, my great grandpa Luigi, was for real, Luigi? my great grandpa Luigi, my great grandpa Donkey Kong. <laughs> and uh, that's probably they were living in New York. He, his name is Luigi. Luigi. I don't even know what her name is, to be honest. No, but he was he was the real Italian. 
I have pictures. He was like a boxing manager. Oh, like, definitely mob ties. He managed a boxing club or something like, like that? boxers. Oh, bo- like he he was like whatever the like you know setting up the bets, setting up the. I can picture this. Wow, that I mean, okay, so you are you might not speak Italian perfectly, but you have some OG Italian roots. Yeah, he you. definitely went to this store. He went to the spaghetti store. He, and when he, <laughs> when they asked him to pay, he took out his gun and he said, "Absolutely not." <laughs> All right, so okay, so I made pasta for an italian uh on this show before and it didn't go very well all right it, what it, happened did he shoot I, you I, <laughs> he's a good friend of mine Daniele Uriti, and i made the mistake of um pre-cooking the pasta okay uh-huh so today i am going to if you, if you look over there i have my fresh cut i don't know if you can see it actually it's hiding behind. i saw it on the way so i've got freshly made pasta freshly cut filled ravioli I'm going to get up and, and boil them in a second. All right, that's that's. Let me tell you, so you could feed me, you could feed me anything, and I you could feed me spaghettios, and I go, wow, what authentic, what an authentic meal. I went to my dad's for Thanksgiving this year. He thought the turkey, what does it say on the turkey? Like oven ready? Is that oven the term? ready? Yeah, oven ready. So he thought that meant ready to eat. <laughs> I don't know why, but we basically we had an hour and a half before I had to go to a show. You're supposed to cook it for three hours. So my father he cooked it for one hour. Then he pulled it out and he said, you know, it's still moving at this point. And my dad was like, the outsides are fine. The outsides are fine. So he started <laughs> slicing. He served it to us. And he said, absolutely not. My point being, you will get no criticism from me on this show. All right. As, as, long, as long as it's not raw. As long as it's not completely. You can eat the outsides, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I got to say, to the listeners at home, I think I'll pass today. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to get these ravioli into the pot it shouldn't take long feel free to give us your best uh jeff goldblum impression while i'm cooking Maybe. sure has jeff goldblum ever narrated pasta cooking i'm sure he'd do it he seems to be he says yes to everything it would seem <laughs> i i don't think so but now now he will well today he will let's do it uh, <laughs> all right uh we are uh, cooking a ravioli meal uh, mm, Ooh, the pasta looks fresh it looks chewy. Ooh, he says, I uh, didn't see him wash his hands before he picked it up, but but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, bacteria finds a way. <laughs> uh, all right. We're washing it now. Uh, I can't wait to have a nice little little bit of soap to go along with the ravioli. That should be delicious. Mm. All right. Well, uh, it looks, it looks they're, they're quite big. They're quite large. They're sumptuous. All right. Here we go. We're putting two more in. Ooh, yes, very good, very good. Mm, yes, we got some cerezi sauce. This is uh, delicious. It's amazing. I'm wafting it. Ooh, yes, that tomato feeling rather nice. I could take a take a bath in that tomato sauce. Ah, probably good good for the skin. Keeps it nice and fresh. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, the pasta bowls. Ah, yes, authentic Italian pasta bowls. All right. I hope I hope we're coming out soon. This is uh quite a long improvisation to do uh but but no 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 we, we got to keep going uh you know uh, billy crystal paid me money to do this but i'll do it for free here for some ravioli this is where acting rates are today just a couple pieces of ravioli i'll tell you a story uh, about how bad of a cook i am i went viral for some cooking i basically cooked some chicken and peppers and i cut up the peppers and i noticed after i cooked it 
that the sticker, I'd left the sticker on the pepper. Ah. So I took a picture. I thought it would be funny. Oh, look at, look at me, silly man. And then everyone started dragging me for the way that the chicken looked, for the way that I cut the pepper, for the, the way that the stove was dirty. They dragged me for everything except for the sticker itself. So they were like, that chicken looks dry as hell. And the pepper, they said, they noticed it was, it was chopped up in a way that, if I'm being honest with your listeners, this meal was just for me. Instead of using a knife, I used, I used my mouth to cut the pepper. I took bites, and then I let it fall from my mouth into the bowl. Because I was about to put it in my mouth anyway. It's not that gross if it's just for me. But, but people sure noticed. And yes, it was very embarrassing for me, for my family. And uh, I hope that's not how you made the, the ridges of the ravioli. You took a little nibble off the side. Mm, yes. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. That looks uh, delicious. All right, so I would love for you to have a bite of this and let my listeners know, where is this bringing you back to? What does it taste like? All right, he's taking um, a very intricate little... Right. I'm going to do it with you. Because it's going to be hot. It's one of these dishes where you, it's, you think it's fine, and then you get to that middle, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I'm taking a bite as well. Yeah. I guess I'm being taken back... I can hear my dad on the phone fighting with my mom. No, I get him for Martin Luther King's Day. Oh, he's screaming. I see my dog ringer. Seinfeld's on. It's delicious. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So uh, what are you tasting? Let me like, talk to me about some textures. I know it's not like the chewed up pepper thing that you did and it's not that fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, what, what are you tasting? Oh, man, I'm going to try. So you got the you got the thickness of the dough. You feel the real mix with just the softness of the meat. It's like the pasta's warm, but the meat's even warmer. And then the, the tomato sauce, it's got a nice little sweetness to it. Mm. You know, the same way you'd have like frosting on a, a, a cake, mm. cake batter. You have the, the sweetness of the pasta oh, yeah. on, on the, the density of the pasta. I, I, I can tell you're Italian because you're speaking with your hands. Too. Yes, yes. I like the little tickle motion that you just did there when you said sweetness. Tell me about the meat. How yeah. is the meat made? So I'm going to, you know, this recipe will be on Shondaland.com, of course, so that our listeners can cook this along with me. And, you know, in the recipe, you know, you mentioned it was a thick pasta. I, I you know, have a rolling pin. I don't have a pasta roller machine here. So that's about as uh, thin as my frail arms could do. So I made a, a simple egg yolk dough, uh, one egg for every hundred grams of flour. That's a typical ratio if you're making pasta. So, so I made the dough. I rolled it out with a rolling pin and I filled it with a... So I looked up Butoni's meat ravioli. I looked up what was in it and it said ground beef and ricotta. Ricotta, that's it. So I did a, a ground beef saute, you know, uh, Trade Fair's finest 80-20 chuck roast, <laughs> $2 a pound. Added some oregano, some salt, some pepper, you know, a little bit of smoked paprika just to kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying? And then I mixed it with ricotta and then I filled it and then I crimped it. I mean, it, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was a relatively quick process. And the sauce, I typically buy whole peeled tomatoes in a can, crush them up and add some salt to them. Mm. And then I heat it up. That's pretty much it, man. It's delicious. Add some cheese on this one? Yes. Add some cheese on your last bite. With my hands? With your hands, yes. Although I didn't see you wash them. <laughs> All right, we're getting a little cheese bite here. So Gianmarco is choosing to potentially clean his plate. All right, that would be, I feel like, quite a success oh, yeah. if you were to ask me. 
It's delicious. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing at all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the Lord was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f- themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. All right, all right, let's just jump back in. So it sounded like, and, and we're going to get you to reconfirm, but it definitely sounded like you went back a little bit. You were rekindled a little bit. And I don't know, maybe you're inspired to make a video making your soresi sauce. Sure. I'm going to have to ask my dad because I know it's sugar. I feel like he may have added some butter. 
Like he made it the most unhealthy sauce you can possibly in the world. Butter, sugar. So that's a very, I mean, I know in New York pizzerias, there's a lot of debate about like sauce, right? In New York. And I'm not to everyone at home, to any New York pizza fanatic person, I'm not trying to profess any sort of authority in the New York pizza sauce game. All right. I'm just a humble baker from New Orleans with Latin American roots. But <laughs> I will say that it's hotly contested about sugar and butter being added into sauces. Uh, and what is the true New York way to make a sauce? So you're probably not far off with the sugar and the butter situation because a lot of people do it. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Do pizza people get, they get angry? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. pizza people, <clears throat> pizza people are pretty cutthroat in this, and bagel people. Yeah. We can circle back to bagels, but pizza people and, and sauce people are very, very intense about the knowledge and that kind of thing. So I, I mean, it's pretty incredible that I travel a lot for stand-up and you go places and they all have their New York pizza place. This is <laughs> yeah. New York yeah. pizza. Yeah, New York best. And New that's York's a pretty best. incredible brand that somehow <laughs> no one goes like, oh, this is, you have North Dakota pizza here? <laughs> I know Chicago style. They got Chicago style. Now, you got to add style. Style, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. It's, it's Chicago style pizza because yeah. there's like this debate about is it even pizza and like that kind of thing. Sure, it's like Chicago style pizza is it cracker thin? Is it a casserole? I mean, what's even happening? Yeah, there's yeah, too yeah. many question marks involved for Chicago to be become an international conglomerate, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the pizza world. <laughs> I guess do Italians do they have the authority there still with pizza? Or is it pretty didn't Marco Polo steal it from China? I think, listen, pizza is a flatbread. That's my hot take that I get a lot of uh, hate mail on, but pizza's a flatbread. Tomatoes were not Italian. So, I mean, at the end of the day- Tomatoes aren't Italian. Tomatoes originally were brought to Italy at a certain point in time. Are you saying that white people acted like they invented something when they just took it from someone else? I am going to do, what is it, plead the fifth? (laughs) I'm not going to comment on the things that white people may or may not do. (laughs) But I I am going to say- that this bowl that is very Italian that says tomato and basil, you know, the tomato may or may not really be Italian. Oh, that's sure. a fucked up take. I'm going to get, you better promote this episode high and wide so that people can just attack me about my sure, tomato, sure. tomato gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of vegetables or fruits as, as Italian or not. But I don't know. Where, where, what would you say it is? What's so, your gut? About tomatoes? Yeah. Man, came from the Americas. Like a lot of things, when colonizers pulled up and, you know, murdered indigenous tribes and did all that kind of thing that they did, they would go back to Europe and, like, bring things. Vanilla bean from Mexico or, you know, any number of things. they just bring it back and be like, look at this dope shit. So, but, you know, there's a lot of different types of tomatoes out there. And I think, as it stands now, Italians seem to have, like, an affinity to, like, growing tomatoes on volcanic soil and, you know... I, I do think Italians have the authority on pizza because pizza is a distinct type of flatbread that they made. Sure. I ain't going to take that away from them. You heard me? But I will say that New York style pizza is the best style pizza in the world. You know, I'll be honest. I'm very carbs conscious. I haven't eaten a lot of New York pizza in my, in my lifetime. Mm. So like, I'll have to ask you like the best place to go. Let's do it tonight. There's, there's a couple places, man. I, I am a big fan of Scars and Lindustry. Okay. Scars and Lindustry both have really excellent dough making techniques and skills. They ferment their dough properly. They're two of my favorite slices. You can't go wrong. You don't feel heavy after you eat it. The ingredients are fresh. 
It's not sponsored. It's just really, I really love those two slices. Do you think once they hear what you've said about tomatoes not being Italian, they'll even let you into the establishment I, anymore? I doubt they'll ever hear this. But if they did, um, Scar wouldn't give a shit. And the guys at Linda Street, I don't know them really, but I don't think they'd care either. Let me reel, let me reel us back in. I, I just want to do a quick double check. Did this meal bring you back to a moment that is special to you? Sure, it did. It did. Because I, I truly rarely get ravioli since, you know, going to college and being like, oh, I want to be fit. My, my girlfriend gets on my case all the time because she's like, you'll, you'll eat ramen, but you won't eat this. And I think I, because I was like a chubby kid, I associate because my dad would let me eat this every single day. So I think in my mind, there's an association between like this and like, like this is a big slice of cake as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> So I don't have it very often. So having it here absolutely brought me back to my dad's kitchen. I open the fridge. It's empty except for ragu at a plastic, plastic container of this shit. It's, it's very nice. Just the texture alone. Mm. The texture alone. You don't get too often that chewy, chewy with that real soft center. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Watch out, Butoni. I'm about to have a spaghetti shop of my own. Come into Times Square in 2024. I wish there was more because I want to show you how many I can swallow all at oh, once. Oh, yeah. Do you have what it takes? Do you think you could swallow one of these? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure. Why not? You're going to try? Yeah, it feels like a waste, but I'll do it for the podcast. Uh, okay. Do you want to try one without sauce or one from my bowl? I'll do one from your bowl. I am loving oh, every moment of this. Holy shit. That one's really big, man. <laughs> There's no way. We'll see. Don't, don't worry. I'll bail if I'm going to die. That Wait, is a big... Can, okay. Can you sign a death waiver real quick in case you choke? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. No. You got to chew a little bit. <laughs> 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 you at least shoved it all in your mouth. And I will give you credit for trying at least to do that. It's too good to it's swallow. <laughs> I got to chew it. Wow. Do you need some water? You have water? You got beer? Okay, yeah. Water, wash that beer. Down. So we brought you back. Again, for the listeners, uh, Shondaland.com, peep the recipe, make sure you tag us, make it, check out the social content, the video content, the recipe video content, all that kind of thing. Make sure y'all are peeping the, ra ra the ravioli. So, you know, we're pivoting here at Flaky Biscuit to talk about, you've got stand-ups, you've got all this content online, you're in movies, you're, you know, you're doing the thing. How did this meal get you into um, a period of like acceptance of who you are? I think... My dad's with ravioli and with, with like cup of noodles made me able to survive on the same food over and over and over again. And there were periods in my life when I was a struggling actor and a struggling stand-up comedian. And I'm sure I will return to those spaces at some point in my career where I had to just eat whatever I had in front of me, whether it be something uh, boiled water, something simple. And so in a weird way, it made me kind of a survivor in terms of food. My girlfriend, yeah, if she yeah. sees some of the meals I cook, she's like, where's, where's the blah, 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 blah. And I go, we don't have time for that. We don't have the money for salt. We're just eating what was in the can. And so listen, as first it was delicious. I loved ravioli, but I think my dad's cooking style made me go like, I can survive on anything. And I think that made me able to do this profession. I love that. Yeah. I love that mentality. You know, there's only one way in life to succeed and that's to like, get it done with what you got and try to keep getting a little, a little more piece of the pie. 
And um, I think the smell made kids not like me. And you know, you need to be unpopular to be a comedian. You got to go through that at some point. Oh, in that's your life. real. That's a that's a real take. Oh yeah. You you grew up in um, Potomac, Maryland. Potomac. You you saw my eyes struggle to pronounce Potomac. I guess. Is that a food town? Like, what's y'all eating the crab cakes type thing? Or no, like, that's like deeper in Maryland. Like Maryland, there's parts of Maryland for crabs, but Potomac <laughs> is 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 boring. There's ah. is no culture. Potomac has zero culture. If we got pizza, it was shit pizza. If if we got if we got ravioli, it was out of the box. Uh-huh. Potomac's yeah. awful. How long did you live in Potomac? My whole life. Man, you just bro, you just done shit all over where you're from. Potomac sucks, man. <laughs> Everyone's getting divorced because yeah. they can't even enjoy their food. It's a Damn. miserable, miserable place. Now, I feel like you could take this and get like an ambassador role with Potomac and like revive it. Like, you know, there's Italian towns that pay people to move there. You could be the start of a movement where you just like get people to go to Potomac and make it pop in. Sure, I'll try. That'll be my life's goal. It's very expensive. <laughs> it's a lot of it's like the kind of rich people who you're like, you shouldn't have money because you don't even know how to enjoy it. <laughs> you don't enjoy it. You just got money to give it to your lawyer. You suck. <laughs> My dad and stepdad still live there. But, oh, uh, man. Let me tell you something right now. So not only is it there's no food, it's just a bunch of rich people. Just a bunch of rich people with so much property so they can isolate themselves from any kind of community or culture. It's a 30-minute drive just to get out of the driveway. Damn. It's a terrible oh, place. Oh, man. Uh, all right, Potomac. So we ain't getting no sponsorship deals. <laughs> and they'd be lucrative, too. So you're really missing out. Potomac would eat this meal and they'd be like, so spicy. Oh, <laughs> that tomato sauce was kind of spicy. Why didn't you tell me? I feel like that I could thrive in Potomac. I'd be like a foreign entity. They might be in awe of me. They'd be like, yo, look at this guy. Yeah, they love foreign entities there. Yeah, foreign, you know what Big I'm talking about when I say foreign that. entity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a foreign entity to them. I might I might have to do a ravioli shop up in Potomac. As well. But you, uh, so you went to college in Miami, which is a, a change of... Definitely, definitely. I, I lived in Miami for a lot a few more years. Co- cocaine in Miami oh. than Potomac. I'll tell you that. <laughs> really, I think that uh, I thought Potomac's that... more prescribed medication. Oh, a lot oh, of oh, Ambien, yeah. gotcha. Xanax. <laughs> Damn, zero redeeming qualities. Like zero. We don't want anyone ever to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Besides, if we're, you're visiting your dad. Yeah, I don't ever want to go there. Exactly <laughs> to your earlier point. Savagery today. The ravioli has really brought something out in Gianmarco. We are we're going off the rails. We are we're, yeah. I'm back in my childhood. You're right. I feel it. <laughs> Potomac, you better watch out. We're coming. Um, how was the Miami experience? Like, was that culinarily? Yeah, I need to go back and have more because I ate a lot of the cafeteria food. I was trying to learn how to cook badly. Uh-huh. I remember I tried cooking chicken once. Thank God I had a girlfriend at the time. I didn't have time to cook the whole chicken, so I said, okay, and I put it in the fridge, and I was like, I'll cook the rest later. Well, hold on. You par-cooked the chicken? What you think is what happened, yes. (laughs) I I cooked it, and I said, oh, shit, I don't have enough time. It's still really pinky in the middle. (laughs) And so I said, I know what I'll do. It made sense to me. It still makes sense to me. Yeah, treat it like a steak, you know? (laughs) But I put it back in the fridge, and then later I went to cook it, you know, finish the job. And my girlfriend was like, no, no, no. That's not how you do it. Damn. That's what I had instead of like glorious Caribbean food. How, how long y'all been together? No, no, no. That was the last relationship. Oh, that was my bad. I must have spaced out because yeah. I was hearing I, about I, the raw chicken going back. Once she fridge. took a bite, she said, we're over. <laughs> oh, for real? Like I, legit? <laughs> no. No, there were other horrible things. No, no. It wasn't just that. It was uh, my neediness uh, and my OCD. Oh, gotcha. Uh, the chicken was not as big a problem, I no, don't think. No, But it was a problem for sure. 
I feel like if the chicken had been better, it would have made up for all the other flaws I have as a human being. I, I, I can say right now with 100% confidence that if you could put a, a few good meals in front of your lady, you might be able to get away with some, some you know what I'm saying? Being a piece of shit? That's essentially what you're saying. You you cook a few good meals, you could combine the anniversary, Valentine's Day, birthday, and Christmas yeah, yeah, all into yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about more simple things. We're, yeah, not, yeah, we're yeah. not talking about like overall behavioral flaws. Like, you know, we're talking about the more simple things like, oh, damn, like... It's your birthday. I just made the reservation. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the little things. That's all. That's oh, all. I know. <laughs> I know. That's the best motivation I've ever had to cook in my entire life when I forget the reservation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you right now, because then you get to whip up something from the soul and yeah. on a budget and whatever, whatever you got. I'll be opening that can. I'll be like, this is from the soul, baby. <laughs> were you doing stand-up comedy in, in Miami? When were you like, oh, shit, I'm actually funny? Well, I went to college for musical theater which is embarrassing. It's like having a degree in imagination. And I think I realized while I was getting the degree that I was wasting my life. And so I started comedy. I did a summer camp in New York after mm. junior year of college. And I took a class where, you know, it's a scam. You pay money. And it, the, the bottom line is at the end, you have to perform five minutes in front of people. Mm. I think of all the things I've ever done, that was what I was most naturally good at. But I didn't do it for a while. It's a very different lifestyle. You have to, you give up nights for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so I didn't do it. I moved it to New York. I did a lot of theater. I did theater for years. I mean, I've shared the stage with, with some people who have gone on to become huge real estate agents. <laughs> I failed. You know, I did a little commercial stuff here and there. But then I wrote a play, and in the play, I talked to the audience a bunch, and people were like, we like that part. The rest, not so much. And I said, okay, I'll focus on that. And then so like eight years ago now, just started doing stand-up at a garbage comedy club called LOL. Uh-huh. Garbage Where club. Where is that at? It's here in New York? It used to be in Times Square. Then it moved. The owner had a gay bar. He said it was a gay bar. I'd never seen it. Once he lost the lease, he moved LOL to the gay bar. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I thought it would be like, ooh, a gay bar maybe it'll be nicer, higher quality. I don't know a gay man alive who would step foot in this bar that I saw. <laughs> it was the same decor as the comedy club. It's just Lil Nas X was playing on the TV from time to time and that's what made it a gay bar. Mm-hmm. And now it's a comedy club. And I stopped working there a couple of months ago. I said, no more. Now that I'm on the Flaky Biscuit, I think I can. Oh, man, yeah. I can, I mean, I can move past this uh, unpaid work. You made it to Flaky Biscuit. You made it all the way in your career. That's what every single guest has been telling us. So that's that's where I really got my legs. It was it was performing for terrible shows, but they were packed with tourists who had just been scammed, who was told Chappelle might show up, mm. and instead of Chappelle, it's me. Is that that's legit? What happened? Yeah, they're sold on like a celebrity gotcha. might stop. If Roseanne, if Roseanne passed the club in the '60s, they'd be like, she's she could be here tonight. There's a chance. <laughs> that's how I learned comedy. Nice. We watched Shelf Life last night, and it was, to be honest, the funniest thing that happened in Shelf Life was the two old men that you said were on the Titanic or something yeah, yeah, along some those the, lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that killed me. I was absolutely dead. But something that was really interesting to me that I, I wanted to ask you about, you made a disclaimer about being Jewish before making a Jewish joke. Sure. What was your question? How was that played like in your comedic life i mean you know the first thing you said to me was like i'm not yeah i don't really speak italian and you know this that, and the other like i feel like my work evolves as i evolve and i'm like is that uh-huh. do you find that to happen as well absolutely i think again i was raised with this perception of being like very italian 
And my mom didn't practice much of Judaism. Her parents told her she could either have a bat mitzvah or a sweet 16 when she was 12. And she was like, I'll wait for the sweet 16. <laughs> and that was kind of like the end. So we went to temple once a year, all that stuff. And then I think like becoming a comedian, there's a Jewish heritage in comedy. And I look at the comedians that I like, mm -hmm. like Seinfeld, of course, many years ago, Woody Allen at the time, things have changed. But I think like that's part of the embracing of the Jewishness. My girlfriend is grew up in New Orleans in a oh. Chabad community. Oh, so she's she, and she's no longer practicing, but it's a big part of her life. So being with her has made me feel closer to like my Judaism and understanding it. And then I also think there's a weird strain because there's been feels like more anti-Semitism recently. There's something about when when a group of people hate you for who you are mm. that does make at least for me make me kind of identify with it more yeah or understand it more or feel unified in a in a sad way with my people i was in i was in houston this happened three times now i said i was on stage i said i'm jewish and that's all i said and someone in the audience went yuck Oy. and i was like jokes on you that's hebrew for a great job that was a joke it's okay. Oh, you you thought it was real. You, you, you're you're going to go up to Jews all the time and you're like, yuck. What? Why, why are you Doesn't upset? Doing great job. No, no, no. That's why I had to tell you. I think like all, all that stuff has just made me think about it more. Mm. Like I, I have a bit now of like, you know, people say to, I've had people say to my face, they say the Jews run Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, then how about a thank you? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're doing pretty well, I would think. Have you ever seen a Christian movie? They're terrible. Oh, well, let me guess the main character is Jesus Christ. Wow. Oh, he died. I wonder if he'll come back to life again. You fucking hack. So it's a weird thing where it's like, obviously it gives you a lot of comedic mileage, you yeah. know? Like yeah. when, when you're able to right. talk about culture, everyone has some knowledge of that culture that you can then play off of. And that's, it's made me identify with it more. And I have more Jewish jokes than I have Italian jokes mm -hmm. because I think I just have more experiences related to my Judaism now than I do yeah, it's uh, like, Italian. It's a, it's a time right now where there is suffering within your community and there are people who get inspired by, even if it's, you're making jokes, yeah. but they're inspired by your willingness to kind of stand up and talk about these things that have happened, right? Like, sure. like it's, you know, getting, called names to your face is shitty. We we all know what that feels like and it's not great. So, but when you're able to kind of overcome that and thrive in your profession and inspire people while doing so, I think I think that's the most important takeaway that at least keeps me going. It obviously seems to be keep you going full steam ahead. Yeah. Listen, I I I'm no fan of of religion in general. There's certain aspects of Judaism I do not do not enjoy, mm -hmm. but I think it's also as you get older it's like you want some community in your life and it, it can feel, it can just feel nice to like know that if I, you know, if I run to a stranger and they happen to be Jewish, there's some interesting things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And it's something that my girlfriend just really had from her Chabad upbringing that I admire. Mm -hmm. And then we go to temple and I go, I don't admire this anymore. I'm Italian again. Give me <laughs> out of here. Give me out of here. Let's go watch The Godfather. Uh, uh, One, two or three. Oh, it's got to be... It's got to be one. It's got to be one. No, but, but the then classic. Sonny getting shot in that second one, that's a really visceral scene in my mind. Yeah. There's so much dread. Yeah. Two is when he like, that guy gets stuck in the uh, the revolving door. I they kill so. like all the mob yeah. bosses. So that like, was good too. Vintage De Niro. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Two is pretty great. I saw three when I was so young that I didn't know it was bad, I guess. <laughs> 
And I haven't seen it again as an adult. Because everyone says it's so bad. Yeah. I think I've seen it maybe one or two times. And the director put his daughter in it. And like, oh, you yeah. know, that's always going to rub yeah. people the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Al Pacino was pretty good in it, though. Yeah, but that's when he, he that's when he was starting to get a little too Al Pacino-y for people. Oh. That's what I was talking about. And you're like, Jesus Christ, let's get some colors here. Let's get some soft tones. Look, thanks for, you know, opening up and sharing about your culture, your heritage, and how that kind of, it's tough to talk about. I get put into positions where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm Afro-Honduran, or like, what does that mean? Where is Honduras? Is it in Mexico? Why are sure. you black? What is like, what do you speak Spanish? Why do you speak English so good? And you know, the the, the whole, my sister and I have I was about to dealt ask, with that kind of thing. Why do you speak English so good? I was going to ask that. <laughs> why, yeah, I've been waiting to ask that. I, I didn't want to like interrupt the flow. Yeah, of it. I, I was kind of saving that explanation. <laughs> I had to help you understand where Honduras was first. It's in Central sure, America. Sure. I had to teach you about colonization and how ingredients had been uh, yeah, taken yeah. away and all that kind of thing. Then I was going to explain to I you. I think you should, you, you should have a show where you bring on guests <laughs> and you have like food that's important to their culture. Then you explain to them how they actually stole that <laughs> from someone else's culture. <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> It would be dope. Actually. And then you make them do the dishes after. <laughs> and that's what you get for stealing this. Oh, Gianmarco. Hungry for more Flaky Biscuit? Stay tuned. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. 
Derek Hamilton was put away for murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They could go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to Flaky Biscuit. You blessed us with this beautiful Jeff Goldblum impression. When and how do you think the shift from being that guy doing that impression to kind of being one of the funniest comedians in New York? Like, when did that happen? When did you feel like, oh, I'm like crushing it. And it's not just because of this one thing. Just to be clear, I think my, my PR person told you to say the funniest comedian in New York, not one of the funniest comedians in New let York. Me, let That's me rephrase a- that. Let me rephrase that. Hold on. Uh, to being considered the hands down I- absolute funniest comedians <laughs> in New York right now. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a thought. I think once I did it in that Billy Crystal movie, mm. I said, okay, it can't go much better than this. Like anything after that is going to be a disappointment. What am I going to get asked to do like a Jeff Goldblum impression on like... A cooking podcast <laughs> so i decided like i'm gonna retire that for good and you know it's it's hard i think with comedy first of all i'm not a great impressionist i can do like two mm. and i think like if you lean on impressions too much you're not finding the really funny thing because they're partially just laughing at the voice you're doing uh-huh. so i i said at least on stage i was like nah put it to bed interesting so you kind of made a choice to not let it define you as a comedian well, before it, it bled into me though i did that impression for so long that when i talk it changed the way that i pause and go in and out and so they're like if you listen to me on stage you can see little flavors of jeff goldblum i feel it right now that, that, that came through i can i can sense you know it. i open every set with oh, yeah. you know real subtle <laughs> so yeah if you listen to me you can i think if you are familiar with john mulaney anthony jeselnik or jeff goldblum you can hear notes from all three that's some heavy inspiration though and it's it's interesting to hear you kind of break that down and how it's maybe molded you. Uh, no, I think so. I, I mean, I have to be careful how much I listen to any of those those guys because it just starts happening naturally. <laughs> oh, but I like I like the idea that you want to you want to borrow from people. Yeah. in the right way. Listen, I I like impressions as well. You got any? I got a couple. I got. I well, mean, what do you yeah, got? Okay, what they, do you got? They just looked at each other because they hear it all the time, and it's all I've got. <clears throat> uh, well, all this talk about racism, uh, it's something very special. Uh, I might be Hispanic. Well, actually, uh, I'm not. I'm black. <laughs> That's the best Donald Trump I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. That was really good. You have an act for You have more of an act for than me. No, no, that no, was, no, that no. was an incredible. That's all I got. That well, was well, very good. I got a little Denzel. Yeah, yeah. Let's see Denzel. Let's see Denzel. <clears throat> you got to give me some uh, breathing room on this one. Mm-hmm. Huh? All right. Okay. So we talking about sauce, huh? Uh, we talking about ravioli? Uh, isn't that what you told me the other day? Huh? 
That's good. It's a little shaky. Sure, sure, sure. We have something called the flaky game that we're going to get into before we move on into the close of our beautiful show. But I do want to know, and I'm sure my listeners are curious, what's next for you? What is on? What is in the pipeline that you can talk about? Yeah, I can talk about all of it. Uh, I, I'm touring. I'm just on the road pretty much every weekend going around America. Going to be in Canada just for laughs this year. I'll be in London in November. So I'm just expanding, going around. My podcast is called The Downside. And then I'll film a special this year. And oh, it'll yeah. probably go on YouTube. All right. Because that's what we do these days. Moving into the flaky game, as I promised. The longest ravioli measured so far was blank (laughs) and was achieved by Amway Russia in St. Petersburg on August 3rd, 2013. I was literally reading about this yesterday. (laughs) So essentially, how long was the longest ravioli that was made in Um, Russia? Okay, let me think. Oh, I'm supposed to give you three options. Oh, thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> this man, this man was straight up like, all right, well, fuck it. Let me try to deduce. Option one, 600 feet. <laughs> option two, 35.5 feet. Option three, 96 feet and one inch. 35.5. Eh, wrong. Why did you pick that? You were very confident. Because 96, that's too much or ravioli. Uh, ravioli, oh. Is a 96. I couldn't swallow that to <laughs> no, save my no, life. No, no, you couldn't. 96 feet and one inch is mm. our longest ever ravioli. It was filled with chicken and onion. Were they making pierogies? Was that a ravioli? But did they put it on like a football field or was it on a plate? I've seen these things where like Domino's will make like the biggest pizza in the world. And it's literally just a bunch of pizzas next to each other. And then they like dump sauce on it. With mops. Oh, God. I, like, I don't know. There are people starving I, in the world I, right I, now. I, no, they donate it. Great donation. Hey, you want the <laughs> pizza we scrubbed I, with, with a mop? mop. <laughs> it's been sitting out 10 hours for on the a photo fo- shoot. On a football field. All right, a couple more questions for you. The most ravioli made in two minutes is blank. Uh, and this was accomplished by Gino da Campo on the set of Let's Do Lunch with Gino and Mel. Talk about random. All right, so in two minutes... How many ravioli were made? Was it 33? Was it 1,000? Was it 982? In two minutes? In two minutes. It's going to be the small number. 35? 33. 33. It's 33. I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, 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 I love it. That, that honestly... It's a pretty easy one. I, was I, it 30 or 9 billion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Just got a couple more for you. Uh, Jewish cuisine has a similar dish called blank a pocket of meat or other filling covered by egg pasta. Is it a knish or is it a kreplach? I feel like it's not a knish, so a kreplach. A Jewish ravioli is a kreplach. I guess so. Well, there we go. I'm glad. My girlfriend would be mad if I didn't get that one. So you've never had it before? No, definitely not. Well, you got some homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Flaky Biscuit with some homework. I want to see you get on your Instagram, make some kreplach, and I want to see it. Last one is true or false. The largest raviolo, see how I use the singular version because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just one. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Ravioli is plural. <laughs> the largest raviolo weighs, so true or false, 79.5 pounds and was made by the Tet Taljin Company in central Malta on May 4th, 2013. I'm trying to think if it was 2012 or 2013. <laughs> 
I mean, that's big. That's that's a little lighter than me. That's a big ravioli. Yeah, it is. And can I also say that the three, yeah, they're all in 20. So in 2013, something in the world must have been happening where people were trying to like break the record with ravioli because all three of these. Uh, true or false, though, 175 pounds. What's your take? Uh, I, it's got to be true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. We have an expert. <laughs> all right. This has been phenomenal. We love to end our episodes talking about, you know, the things that you like to do to uh, help improve our communities and let our listeners know about something that you hold near and dear to your heart. Uh, I believe the Jewish Queer Youth Organization is something that you believe in. So I'd love for you to tell me and my listeners, what can we do to support this cause and why is it important to you? I'll start with why it's important to me. I, I think this has always been like one of my hangups with all religion is LGBTQ rights and, and just the way it's viewed. And I, when I went on my birthright trip, the rabbi, who was a tour guide, he did this game. He was like, we're going to all play a game called Stump the Rabbi. You can ask me anything you want. He wanted like, what do you call it? Jewish ravioli? He thought yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. And I asked, how do Hasidic Jews feel about homosexuality? Mm. Right out the gate. You went, oof. Right out the gate. I said, I'm going to stump him. I'm going to win this game. And he gave some bullshit answer about like, oh, life is hard. If if someone said they were gay, I'd give them a hug. And I'd say, life is hard. And I was like, okay, follow-up question. What the fuck? What did you just say? And and I think we live in a time where we're, we're all trying to, in the, the liberal side of things, the left side of things, be more accepting and welcoming. And there's always this conflict with like religious freedom and then certain religious beliefs that are antithetical to gay people existing yep. and living a fulfilled life. Yep. I don't know how you square away the issue. And it's easy for me because I wasn't, I wasn't raised in this Jewish tradition. But if you are raised in a Hasidic family, more Orthodox Judaism, big part of your life, it's got to be a struggle. It's got to be a real struggle, whether you just support LGBTQ rights or, or you are a member of the community. And so as I felt closer to the, the Jewish world, I just think like resources that help, help people psychologically square away these two worlds, even if they sometimes feel at conflict, but also makes it more accepted. And, and hopefully, I think, hopefully in the long run, brings more and more of Judaism to a place where it's you can be open about being gay mm -hmm. and you're accepted and it's not even considered like a light sin or whatever that it's just fine. So this is an organization that, that my, my girlfriend has been telling me about that. I mean, a big part is just resources for queer Jewish youth to just feel like they have a home. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, is this something that's based in New York or is this are there volunteer opportunities? Are there, um, you know, donation opportunities? There's like, definitely donation opportunities, and I'm sure there's volunteer opportunities. I, I believe it started in New York, mm -hmm. but I, I, I think it's all around, and it's it's growing. Yeah, it's it's a really important one. Honestly, I think the more people I talk to, and the more you, you, you go on the news or whatever, I mean, the more this issue is taken center stage, because there's a lot of communities right now that are struggling with going about things the right way. There's black and brown communities like this. There's, you know... I hate to say, but I mean, Hispanic communities, you know, in Latin America, where maybe being queer is not something you want to tell your family. Yeah, and yeah. It's, you know, it's you, you want to be proud to be Hispanic and proud to be all this kind of thing. But then if you, you know, say that you're gay or queer or whatever it is that how you identify, there's going to be backlash. And yeah. it's, then it becomes terrifying for them. And then they just never talk about it. And you, you already know. And, like, and I also I, I, I despise the like, it's OK to be gay. It's not right but it's okay it's like i it, to me 
the people who espouse that will quickly latch on to the hateful person if, if they think gay people have existed forever. Yeah. They're responsible for, for as much of humanity's progress as anything else. And yeah, I, I, I think what's been shocking is because when I was in middle school, that was or high school, college, when gay marriage was legalized, I always assumed the world would become more progressive, especially in that sense. Yeah. And there's been this like horrifying <laughs> rebound yeah. where suddenly we're talking about drag queens as an issue and people are like talking about trans rights in, in this negative way. And mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden it's become everyone's main target. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's strange. It's, 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 it's quite it's, strange. It's, it's being exploited by the people who just want the votes. And it's such a hateful, horrible rebound that's shocking to me. Yeah. I'm just shocked to see like things move backwards. And that's that's partly because of the privilege as a, as a straight man yeah. to not to not recognize that these movements don't just move propel themselves forward forever yeah this particular issue i i feel like it is prominent it's prevalent because we it's up to us to stand up also and say some things as well yeah. like i i might identify as straight but what's happening is horrendous and it, you know i think finding ways to help youth specifically yeah. with these issues and you know if we can get our listeners to just Hey, like made this donation might make a huge difference in someone's life or that, you know, maybe there's a volunteer opportunity where we can become mentors and help these youth grow. So I, I think it's up to us also to stand up, say specifically and, and loudly and clearly how wrong the atrocities are that are happening. This is a food podcast. You know, we're having fun. We're talking about recipes, but it is we feel like it's really important to always just kind of end with like, hey, like, by the way, that real stuff that's going on, like we, yeah. we want to make sure that we're going to make as much noise as we can about it and, and try to actually make a, a small difference where we can. So tomatoes are gay. <laughs> we all know it. You heard it here first on Flaky Biscuit. Tomatoes are gay and you love tomatoes. So join the rest of the world. <laughs> Thank you, Gianmarco. This has been an absolute pleasure. I really, really appreciate everything that you brought to the table today. It was an honor to get to know you and I hope to see you again soon. Grazie. Oh, prego. <laughs>
Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.